A very good evening to you. Welcome along to this edition of Gospel for You. If this is your first time listening, a very warm welcome to you. And Gospel for You is about getting the Gospel out, the good news of salvation, as contained within John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. And we aim to get this out in as many ways as we can within our time that we have on these programs. We have as our core scripture this evening, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 to 20, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And this is a message for each and every person on the face of this earth, and particularly for those listening here on shortwave, medium wave, online. Our theme is reconciliation, particularly reconciliation to God, and that's been made possible through Christ Jesus. In this Gospel for You program, we also have Your Gospel, and Your Gospel is a project uh, which was started up in 2019, and uh, Several people have now recorded your gospel, John 3.16, in their own native languages. We are getting more all the time, which is great. And we would just love some more European languages, for example, Greek, also Turkish, and other European languages too. So if you're listening in today and are able to help us and record John 3.16 in these languages, fantastic. We would just love that. For this program, we have Your Gospel in Faroese, Icelandic and Hungarian. We also have two testimonies, the first of which is from Mike Shreve, who was in conversation with Dudley Anderson. Dudley Anderson is a radio presenter who presents the reality and the reality of the gospel. Really, that's what it amounts to, the reality of the gospel in people's lives. We also hear a testimony from Daniel in Haiti. We've got more things coming up for you in this program. But right now, let's get into the first of our Your Gospels in Furries. Tui so elskai gud haimin, at an gelson soin hin einborna, firi at kvurt han, som truira han, skal itchu fortepast, men have ervet luiv. This is The Reality. Again, welcome to The Reality. I'm Dudley Anderson. Really good to be with you. Today in The Reality, we speak to Mike Shreve, who is a teacher of Kundalini Yoga at several universities in the USA. The Reality is a half-hour talk show talking about the reality, the sure reality of life as found through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Scripture says that all the traditions of man are nothing but a shadow in comparison with the true light that is found through the reality of Jesus Christ. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality Media. To become an SRM ministry partner, I invite you to the website surereality.net 
and to click on Become a Ministry Partner. Teacher of Kundalini Yoga at four universities for many years in the US, Mike Shreve became considered to be a guru by some of his students. Mike was fully devoted to his way of thinking that involved not only yoga, but an endeavor to find God through New Age and esoteric philosophy. But one day, after reading an article about him in a local newspaper, some dear Christian folk began to pray for Mike Shreve. God intervened in his ordered world, and one day, while hitchhiking, Mike Shreve had a Damascus Road experience. Mike encountered Jesus and discovered the reality that yoga and New Age are false, while the ultimate reality for life and living is found only in Jesus Christ. A few moments later, we were kneeling down on the floor of his van, and I was giving my heart to the Lord Jesus. That was my beginning. I recognized right then and there that I had finally found the correct approach to God. I went to all my yoga classes that week and told them that unknowingly I had misled them and that Jesus really is the only way. I am very strong in saying that Christians should not practice yoga. And from the very beginning, I separated myself from all of those practices and began to follow Jesus with all my heart. Author of several books, including, among others, In Search of the True Light, Truth Seekers, and Who Am I? Mike Shreve and his wife Elizabeth run a ministry called Mike Shreve Ministries and a publishing company called Deeper Revelation Books. I conducted my interview with Mike today for The Reality via Skype. So today I'm speaking to Mike Shreve on The Reality. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Well, it's my pleasure, and I am delighted to share with you the story of my journey. Well, speaking of which, uh, I have it down that you're a teacher of Kundalini Yoga that you spoke and taught at various universities in the States. Now, um, I'll be very quick to admit to my ignorance. What is Kundalini Yoga? Well, that is an amalgamation of many different types of yoga. The word yoga simply means yoke, and it implies being yoked with God or in union with God. And uh, contrary to popular belief, some feel that uh, many types of yoga are just physical exercises, but they are all geared toward this goal of achieving union with God. Kundalini yoga specifically is geared toward something called the awakening of the Kundalini. And what is conceptualized in, in that particular uh, approach, which is based on Hinduism, is the idea that there is a coiled energy at the base of the spine, a latent divine essence that is similar to a coiled serpent. And through meditation, through chanting mantras, through the physical exercises, the breathing exercises, which are called asanas and pranayama, uh, that's supposed to be a means of awakening the kundalini that, like a serpent, travels up through the spine, merging with something they call the third eye that enables a person to achieve God consciousness. Now, as a Christian, I understand that a serpent is a symbol of something evil, not a, sim a symbol of something good. But in New Age uh, spirituality, 
a serpent is used as a symbol of esoteric wisdom. However, I believe that's a veiled deception and that when I practiced Kundalini Yoga, I came in contact with a world of uh, demonic beings and was very influenced by uh, uh, powers that were not of God. Well, you keep speaking about oneness with God. Is is this our God? Is that it, the Lord God Almighty that you're speaking about, or is it some strange force in the in the universe? Well, there is a completely different view of the Godhead in New Age spirituality and Eastern religions than in a biblical worldview. And very concisely, let me explain that in Hinduism, ultimate reality is Brahman, and Brahman is an impersonal life force, uh, not a personal God. If you pray to Brahman, uh, Brahman will not respond. Brahman is an it, not a he. Now, out of Brahman, uh, Hindus believe that a multiplicity of gods and goddesses have emerged or that uh, they have come forth from this universal force. In fact, the uh, traditional number in Hinduism is 330 million gods sprung forth out of Brahman. Uh, now, on the contrary, in a biblical worldview, God is not an impersonal force, but a personal God. And uh, that God is a triune being comprised of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three expressions of the Godhead are one God. And so uh, if someone says that we're all just worshiping the same God, uh, that can't be true uh, because these are two completely different concepts concerning the Godhead. I, I usually, especially when I preach in India, bring out this analogy that uh, Copernicus and Ptolemy were both defining the same solar system. They were occupied trying to find the nature of the same solar system. However, Ptolemy in the second century said that the earth was the center of the solar system, the sun revolved around the earth. And Copernicus, a thousand years later, said, no, the sun is at the center of the solar system and the earth revolves around the sun. Mm -hmm. Now, they both believed in the same solar system, but defined it completely differently. And I would dare to say that one of their definitions had to be wrong and one was right. And in like manner, we can translate that into the interpretation of the nature of God. And there's no way that the New Age slash Hindu interpretation of an impersonal God being ultimate reality, uh, there's no way that can be uh, correct and the biblical view correct at the same time. One has to be right at the expense of the other being wrong. Well, the ultimate reality is found in Jesus Christ. This radio program is based on uh, Colossians 2, verse 17, that tells us that these things we face in the world, the traditions of man, are but a shadow in comparison to the reality that is found in Jesus. So, Mike, coming out of this background and this experience, how did you find the reality of Christ? Well, there was a series of events that I believe were divinely orchestrated that brought me into the knowledge of the Lord. Uh, I was teaching, as you mentioned, at four universities in Florida. Uh, I was teaching at University of Tampa, University of South Florida, Florida Presbyterian College, 
uh, somewhat amazingly, hmm. and also a college named New College. I had about 300 students who considered me their guru, and I was running a yoga ashram. The Tampa Tribune newspaper did an article on me, uh, quite a large article, and I thought it would simply increase my class attendance. Little did I know it would alert a prayer group, a Christian prayer group in town, to begin praying for me. And they had a 24-hour prayer chain, so they assigned somebody to be seeking God, fasting, and praying for me every hour of every day. And so I'm being soaked with intercession. And some things began to happen. There's an old saying, and I believe it's so true, that God doesn't do anything in this world except he does it in response to prayer. And so when people started praying for me, God started intervening. And I got a letter from an old friend of mine. He and I had quit college for the same reason, and that was to study Eastern religions. He went and studied under a different guru than the one I studied under. And uh, he writes me this strange letter. I was quite taken aback by it, where he said that uh, he had walked in a church and felt the Spirit of God fall on him and that he was born again, and he experienced the reality of Jesus Christ. And, and he said he heard an audible voice say, Jesus is the only way. Well, at first I wrote him back and said, Larry, I'm happy for you that you found the path of Christianity, but I can't hardly accept that idea. My beliefs encompass all religions of the world. But his letter just weighed on my mind, and I kept thinking about it and pondering until one day I felt like I was being unfair. I was a truth seeker, and I wanted, uh, I wanted to be absolutely sure that I didn't overlook anything that could possibly be a part of the truth. And so I thought, if I'm going to be fair to God and fair to myself, then I need to uh, open my heart up to the possibility of this being right, even if my mind thinks it's completely illogical. So I dedicated one day to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I made up my mind I would not participate in any kind of normal yoga ritual that I went through. I didn't do any physical exercises. I didn't chant any mantras. I didn't read any uh, Hindu scriptures. I didn't read any New Age books. That day was a day I dedicated to the Lord Jesus, and I said, Jesus, uh, I'm only going to pray to you, and I'm only going to read the Bible today. And if you are the only way to eternal life, I believe you'll show me today. And so for about 10 hours, 10 to 12 hours, all I did was read the Bible for about an hour or two, and then I would pray, read the Bible and pray, read the Bible and pray all day long. That afternoon, I was hitchhiking to go teach a yoga class at University of South Florida, and I was still praying while I was hitchhiking. And instantly I had to walk or hitchhike everywhere because I'd renounced all material possessions. All right. I owned nothing all right. and uh, except a change of clothes and a few eating utensils. So I'm, I'm hitchhiking uh, and still praying, Jesus, if you're the answer, show me. One of the members, forgive me for being so detailed, but mm. it's also amazing. Oh, come on. One of the members of the prayer group just happened to be 
coincidentally, <laughs> a former yoga student himself, right. and he was praying for me. Now, I believe that was not a coincidence, but a God instance. Absolutely. Uh, but he was two miles away walking in a laundromat to do his dirty clothes, and he felt God speak to his heart and say, get back in your van and start driving. I've got a job for you to do. That's the only instructions God gave him. Hmm. And so he got back in his vehicle and started driving and turned whenever he felt an impulse. He made two or three definite turns and drove to the very spot where I was hitchhiking. Wow. Now, for God to set that up within about a five-minute window of time was just miraculous. And he never picked up hitchhikers, but he said he felt strangely compelled. And so he pulled over to the side of the road. I opened the door and looked in, and my heart started racing because on the ceiling I saw a picture of Jesus that he had taped there, and I knew this was my answer. <laughs> and a few minutes later, he asked me, have you ever experienced Jesus coming into your heart? And I said, no, but when can I? I'm ready. Gosh. And I surprised him with how responsive I was. And a few moments later, we were kneeling down on the floor of his van, parked in the parking lot of a, a, a different laundromat, and uh, and I was giving my heart to the Lord Jesus. And so uh, that was my beginning. And it was so profound and so real as I asked Jesus to come into my heart and surrendered to him and made him Lord of my life. I recognized right then and there that I had finally found the correct approach to God. I went to all my yoga classes that week and told them that unknowingly I had misled them and that Jesus really is the only way. And so I, I shut down my yoga ashram and I canceled my classes. I am very strong in saying that Christians should not practice yoga. And from the very beginning, I separated myself from all of those practices and began to follow Jesus with all my heart. You are listening to The Reality with me, Dudley Anderson. To find out more about this radio ministry, please do visit the website surereality.net. Today we're speaking to Mike Shreve. Mike is an author and a Bible teacher who discovered the ultimate real reality of truth that is found not in alternative spirituality of yoga and New Age, but solely in the reality of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Mike Shreve was miraculously led to Jesus Christ after being picked up one day as a hitchhiker by a Christian, one of those that indeed had been praying for him. Now, Mike had been a successful advocate for Satan's falsehood for many years, yet the devil wasn't going to let him just become a Christian without a fight. Mike was led to Christ by a driver who picked him up while hitchhiking, and so it was that Satan, the father of lies and deception, used a driver who picked him up as a hitchhiker on another occasion to attempt to kill him. But God had other plans. About a month after I was saved, uh... I didn't understand the difference between the Catholic point of view and the Protestant point of view. I was raised Catholic, and so I still had some of that uh, worldview embedded in my mind. And so I wanted to get closer to God. I wanted to devote myself more completely. And so as a former Catholic, I thought the best way to do that was to become a monk and to join a monastery. But uh, 
at the time, I just wanted to get closer to God. So I, I, I left the uh, Christian commune that I was staying at, and I was hitchhiking to Atlanta, Georgia, because I wanted to join this particular monastery that uh, had become fairly well known because they were charismatic in their belief. And uh, and so I was uh, praying that God would give me a ride. And all of a sudden, this fellow pulled over and asked me where I was going. I said, Atlanta, Georgia. And he said, well, you're in luck. I'm going all the way there. You won't have to catch another ride. So I, I was thankful and sank back in my seat and whispered a premature hallelujah in my heart. And uh, long story short, uh, he he said that he had to pick up a check where he was working it. And so he uh, walked in this construction trailer and came back out and said, my check will be ready in about 20 minutes. Let me show you around. And so he began describing what they were going to build in different places. And then suddenly he pulled off in a field at a high rated speed. And I was getting really suspicious. And then he got out in the middle of the field near a little uh, area that was filled with trees and uh, he slammed on the brakes and pulled a knife out hmm. and proceeded to tell me he was going to rape me, rob me, and then kill me. Good uh, I, I had two options at that point. I could run, and I didn't think that was a good option because he, it was a huge field and he could have easily run me down with his car. Or I had uh, suddenly this remembrance, one of my early Bible teachers told me if I ever had a confrontation with a demonic power, either directly or in a human being, that I could take authority in the Holy Spirit and dominate that demon with a proclamation of the word of God. Just like Jesus faced off with the devil, and he did so by saying, it is written, it is written. He would declare the word of God, and Satan was defeated. So I just gathered this authority out of the depth of my spirit and and began to preach to this man <laughs> with a, a pretty loud volume in my voice, like I was preaching to about 30 or 40 people. Praise and God. I told him, fella, you're going to face God on the day of judgment and give an account for every deed done in your body. And apparently you're going, you're going to hear God say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I know you not. I said, you are possessed with demon spirits, and I have power over all the power of the enemy, and I bind you right now. And I, I went on in that vein for several minutes. And uh, somewhat, I was a brand new Christian, somewhat to my surprise, the man broke down weeping and told me that I sounded just like his mother. He <laughs> handed me the knife, turned around and knelt down on the floorboard and asked me to pray for him. And I began to pray over him, casting the demonic powers out of him. Jeez. He was converted, he was saved, he gave his heart to the Lord. God forgave him, God washed his sins away. The enemy sent him to me to destroy me and to cut me off out of the land of the living before I had a chance to walk into my purpose. But I think God smiled and said, what you intended for evil, mm. I'll make it work for good. Mm. And instead of him destroying me, the Lord used me to destroy the hold of evil and deception in his life. 
So um, praise God, I have found out God is never outwitted by the enemy. Praise God, and he knows all things. The scripture says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And if we seek his plans and purposes, he will lead us in them and uh, standing strong in the blood, under the blood of Jesus. Well, it's been wonderful speaking to you, Mike. Now, I'd like to ask, what are the major differences between the Christian viewpoint and this uh, yoga New Age viewpoint? Well, I would say one of the most important areas that I could discuss is the interpretation of the nature of the universe. In uh, the mindset that I held as a yoga teacher, I believed in pantheism. And that is the concept that the universe is not a creation of God, but rather a manifestation of God, that it manifested out of the Godhead, and therefore everything has a divine essence, and all this physical matter is just an illusion, and therefore everything is God. The tree is God, the dog is God, the cat is God, every human being is God. Now, the biblical concept is theism which is the idea that the universe is separate from God. God exists apart from physical creation. And therefore, uh, to have a relationship with God, he enters into you from without. Now, uh, let me uh, very succinctly say, if you believe that the universe is God, it's no quantum leap of logic to say that we are God. But unfortunately, when you say we are God, that includes the most evil human beings that have ever lived, like Adolf Hitler, and it includes those that are very compassionate and pure-hearted, like, say, for instance, Mother Teresa, who was uh, a very selfless servant of the poor in India. And so it, it covers all. Uh, the whole gamut, it covers the whole spectrum of the human race. And if you say we are God, and that includes both the most evil and the most loving, then the next logical sequence of ideas will include the concept that therefore God is both evil and good. If the whole universe is God, and we are God, and there's both evil and good in the human race, then God must be evil and good, which is exactly what the yin-yang symbol represents, the two teardrops within a circle, one dark, one light. Hmm. It represents both evil and good being resident in ultimate reality. But in the biblical worldview, uh, God is separate from the uh, physical creation, and therefore he is untainted by the evil that is here. That is sourced in Satan, in uh, a fallen human race, but not sourced in God. The Bible said that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And this is one of the most blatant differences between the two worldviews. Mm, mm, mm. That certainly makes a lot of sense, and indeed God is light. Scripture also says God is love. And uh, love is is a good emotion, not an evil emotion. Absolutely. And God loves people to the degree where even if they have been deceived by false religions, he opens his arms wide and Jesus says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, before we do uh, say goodbye, I'd like to ask you about some of the books that you've written. You've got lots of experience and I believe you've, you've put them down in books. Tell us about those. Well, my primary book is titled In Search of the True Light. It compares the beliefs of over 20 religions. And I wrote the book back around the turn of the millennium 
for a reason. Uh, I was witnessing to someone of a new age mindset, and I was trying to find a book in a Christian bookstore I could give to that person that would be a loving uh, and logical presentation of the gospel. And almost everything I found was very uh, confrontational. And so I was a little disturbed by that, and I thought, well, there's a real vacuum here that needs to be filled. Uh, and so I wrote a book where I don't use any demeaning terminology. I, I treat other people who are seekers as sincere uh, lovers of God who are trying to find the truth. Uh, I go through some very logical explanations that will bring them to the conclusion that Jesus meant what he said when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Now, In Search of the True Light is available through Amazon. Uh, soon uh, it will be available as an ebook. We're working on that right now. But I, I do have on the front of my website, and again, my name is Mike Shreve, S-H-R-E-V as in Victor, E, Mike Shreve, and my website is Shreve ministries.org. And on the front of my website is a free downloadable mini book called The Highest Adventure Encountering God. And uh, not only do I share my salvation story in that book, how I found the Lord Jesus, or more correctly, how he found me, hmm. but uh, I also go point by point through many of the doctrines and beliefs that I held uh, as a yoga teacher, and why I believe differently now. For instance, the doctrine of reincarnation, and I explain why, on the contrary, I believe in one life and the resurrection now. And so I invite people to come to my website and download that free book. Uh, also, I have written a book called Truth Seekers, which is the testimony of 10 radical New Agers that were extremely deep in New Age, and how they came out and found the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, I have one last book that is especially geared toward Christians who are wondering if it's uh, acceptable to study yoga, and uh, it's called Seven Reasons I No Longer Practice Hatha Yoga. Very, very important mini book uh, that discusses that very hot topic among believers right now. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, I advise people not to involve themselves in yoga for a number of reasons. And that booklet covers that subject. So I really appreciate being on your program. And, uh, and I invite your listeners to email me from my website. And if they have questions about Eastern religions, New Age spirituality, yoga, how they can find Jesus, I'd be very glad to respond to them personally. Fantastic. That website again, please, Mike. It's Shreve Ministries, S-H-R-E-V-E, shreveministries.org. Mike Shreve, thank you so much for joining us on The Reality Today, talking about the ultimate reality as found in Christ. Thank you. You've been listening to The Reality with me, Dudley Anderson, speaking to Mike Shreve today. Once again, if you'd like to make contact with Mike, please do visit his website, shreveministries.org, or alternatively, drop me an email, dudley at surereality.net. 
The Realities, produced by Sure Reality Media. Please do consider becoming a monthly regular contributor to this ministry by going to the website surereality.net and click on Become a Ministry Partner. Becoming an SRM Ministry Partner will help us reach hundreds of thousands of people worldwide with the reality of Jesus Christ online and on air. Once again, surereality.net. From me, Dudley Anderson, as always, keep walking in the sure reality that is Christ. My name is Daniel and I live in Haiti. I grew up in a poor family. When my mother was breastfeeding me, she died. Then I grew up with a poor man who lived in a small accommodation. Conditions were really deplorable for me. It was difficult to live well. Different people used to feed me. It was difficult for me to attend school. Sometimes I would attend school without eating. In spite of this, God always used people close to me to provide. I spent a year without education and failing an exam because of a financial problem. In the year 2000, I left the area where I was born for another area where my father lived, but I spent many years without recognizing who my father is. Now, at the age of 33, I have a little girl and I live with my father and mother-in-law. Things have not always gone smoothly in our relationship with my father and mother-in-law and I find it hard to relate to my father. Sometimes I would go to church where I would choose. Year after year, I start to understand the importance of God in my life. I have given my life to follow the Lord. God has used me to lead worship. God has always used people and chose to bless me by providing for food and other needs, even when they were very poor. I would regularly go to church, but even when I was over 15 years old, I never understood who God was. After this time, I was at one church service when I felt a strong urge to sing a song that was on my heart. At that time, I began to know God's presence in my life. Even in times of trouble, I had a real passion to worship God. My relationship with God has grown step by step as I have experienced Him in my life. People have seen God at work in me and have chosen me to lead worship. Even through my difficulties, the focus 
of my life. At 30 years old, I married a friend who had quickly helped me financially. Someone lent 50,000 Asian gold to cover the expense. God has always sent blessing to me. In spite of the difficulties, I have maintained my faith in God because I know that nothing is impossible for Him. I will understand that if I really love God, I will get everything I need because Jesus is everything. It's a pleasure for me to share my testimony. God bless you. Jóhannes á Guðspjall 3.16 Því svo elskaði Guð heiminn að hann gaf enga son sinn til þess að hver sem á hann trúir glatist ekki heldur hafi eilíft líf. This is gospel for you and you've been listening in to your gospel in Icelandic uh, testimonies from both Daniel in Haiti and also from Mike Shreve, your gospel in Faroese. Coming up right now on this uh, program, we have a message which is given by Eddie Jameson all about the subject of redemption. And then we'll be drawing everything together in prayer. This particular program is about reconciliation, reconciliation to God. First of all, we're going to think about the meaning of redemption, and uh, then we're going to think about the man of redemption, and then we're going to think about the must of redemption, and last of all, we're going to think about the music of redemption. First of all, the must of redemption, or rather, the meaning of redemption. Now, if you look up the dictionary, you'll find that the word redeem, it means to buy back by the paying of a ransom. Now you and I need to be redeemed. I want to remind you that God has a claim upon us because he's the creator. We think of the words of Genesis tonight and uh, the word of God always comes with power. We need to listen to it. It says that God made man from the dust of the earth and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So we are created by the hand of God and we belong to the human race. But we know, of course, that the human race became the fallen race because of the coming in of sin. And we're at a distance and we're away from God. And therefore, was the wonderful truth of redemption how that God, by the paying of this tremendous ransom price, can bring us back. I want to say to you tonight, and uh, I know that all of you know this and believe this. I want the Word of God to come to us tonight again. And uh, the Word of God tells us this, that by one man, sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, in that all have sinned. And there's three things I want to say to you. We are sinners without exception. Got that? Nobody's excluded. We are sinners without excuse because forgiveness is within our grasp. I want to tell you, if you die in your sins, you'll be sinners without escape. 
Hear the word of God again, Hebrews chapter 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? So the wonderful truth of redemption, the meaning of the word is that we have to be bought back. We are his by creation, but he wants to make us his by redemption, and it's by the buying back, by the paying of this great ransom price, and that, I would suggest, is the meaning of redemption. Now we're going to think about the man of redemption, the Lord Jesus. Now the Redeemer needs three qualifications. Now he must have these three qualifications, but he can't be the Redeemer. First of all, he must have the right to redeem. And then he must have the resource to redeem. And then, of course, he must have the resolve to redeem. I'm so glad that the Lord Jesus excels in each of these qualifications. He's got the right to redeem. That's very simple, of course. There wasn't another good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. And all of us in the hall tonight agree that he has the right to redeem. You know, he's got the legal right. And he's got the moral right. And he's got the sovereign right to redeem. And without doubt, as a redeemer, he's got the qualification. He's got the right. But then he's got the resource to redeem. It was quoted to us tonight that we have redeemed, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. That's very rare, his blood. No other example of his blood in the whole wide world. He's got precious blood, able to redeem. He's got the resource, and he is able to redeem. It's a wonderful truth that it was... uh, it was Judas who said, it's innocent blood. And Peter tells us it's precious blood. But when you turn to the Hebrew epistle, it says, neither with the blood of calves or of goats, but with his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. I want to tell you, he's not only got the right, but of course he's got the resource. But always got the resolve. He's plenty of people, you know, have got the facility, and they've got the money, and, and they've got the opportunity to do many things, but they don't have the will to do it. I want to tell you tonight that the Lord Jesus not only has the right to be the Redeemer, and he not only has the resource to be the Redeemer, but he has the resolve to be the Redeemer. This is a wonderful truth. He volunteered to come to be the Redeemer. Listen to this wonderful scripture. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for the many. And that word ransom is tied up with redemption. And so he volunteered to become the Redeemer. He had the resolve. And as we think of his precious blood again that Peter speaks about, you know, he, he's the value and uh, he himself has a validity in him to be the Redeemer. He's got, he's got the resolve. One little verse comes to my mind again. I want you to think about it for a minute. And we find it away in First, in, in first Timothy chapter 2. There's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, all the vastness of it. We think about him as volunteering. We think of the validity and the value of his blood, but we think of the vastness of it. A great truth that, you know. 
that he gave himself a ransom for all, that the price was paid, and it was such a vast, such a great price, that it's so inclusive that it includes you and me in the whole wide world. A tremendous truth. And so we're thinking about him as having the resource. And uh, he has the resource. And our, I just would like to remind you, just as we finish thinking about this, that he knew when he came what lay ahead of him. Now you don't know what tomorrow brings. But to him, tomorrow was an open book. I want to tell you there was no distance too far. There was no suffering too great. There was no valley too deep. There was no death too mean. He viewed it from afar. And with great resolve, he became a redeemer. So we've thought about the meaning of redemption. And then we've thought about the man of redemption. Now for a minute we're going to think about the must of redemption. Oh, we must have a redeemer. But that's only one side of the coin. You must accept it. We've been singing about it in our hymns. I just want to say this we pass. I've only given me ten minutes, you know. I think I'm a little bit mean in ten minutes. <laughs> when we think about this truth, it's the truth of the must, how we must make him our redeemer. Sometimes saying, my redeemer, oh, what beauty is in that lovely name of the Another verse is, mine by covenant, mine forever, mine by oath, and mine by blood. Mine or time the born can sever. Mine is an unchanging God. Can you say tonight that he's my redeemer? That he's actually mine? That you've made him your very own? Now you know about it. And you can have it. And you need to accept it. And you need to claim it. Now just leave it at that. My redeemer, the must of the redeemer. And just for a few moments, what do you think about the music of redemption? It's a wonderful statement. I noted one or two things down here. The first mention of singing in our Bible was when the people of Israel were redeemed. Strange that, isn't it? Never read about the congregation of people of Israel singing in the book of Genesis. First time that they sang was when they were redeemed. They left behind the slavery and the poverty and the inhumanity of Egypt. And they stood on the other side of the Red Sea. You know, they outmaneuvered the military might of Egypt by the power of God. And they crossed the Red Sea miraculously by the power of God and by the blood of the Lamb. And I tell you, their hearts were full of song. When this unfolded before their amazed eyes, they sang the redemption song. This is what the Moses and Aaron had to say. The Lord has triumphed gloriously. The horse of the ride that he's cast into the depths of the sea. Who among the Egyptian gods is likened to thee? Glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. What a song of redemption. A tremendous song. I want to say it was spontaneous. They're all standing there. 600,000 of them. I'm moving away from the mic. 600,000 of them. They were all standing there, knowing the truth of redemption. Do you really know it? Truth of redemption, I tell you, it was spontaneous, it was sincere, it was spirit-inspired. They something to sing about. It was a song of redemption, it was a song of victory. There wasn't a silent tongue, and there wasn't a dry eye. That was a tremendous song. 
And you know, the women folks, we some of the ladies hanging tonight by themselves, the women folks, they joined in as well. Well, I don't think it's those. And uh, not that I'm finding any fault with that, but I don't think the different groups of people sang. I think that they all sang together. They all wanted to get into the act, just as we've been all singing tonight. And they sang the redemption song on the other side uh, of the Red Sea. And Miriam, with the timbrels, and all the women folks, they joined in as well. And as a nation, my, they praised God. Now, the redemption song began then, that's why I was to, uh, uh, I Alistair to read to us about how that in heaven they sang the song of Moses. You got it? Still the same song. And it was begun at the other side, the banks of the shores of the Red Sea. And they're still singing it. The psalmist song of Moses, not the Lamb, it's a redemption song. This redemption song, it, it spans the centuries and it crosses dispensations. And just as they sang it under the law, we are singing it under grace, and in heaven we'll sing it again. I asked him to read another verse, and the reason why I asked him to read was, you only gave me ten minutes, and I just <laughs> 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 Swim. Swim. <laughs> 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 
sorry about that mistake. I'm just trying to point out what I'm trying to say to you. I'm not going very well. Heaven song, the same theme, the same tune, the same timing, the same testimony, the same triumph, and it's going to be timeless. Now, I say that I wasn't that dry, are you sure of the rest, of the rest, yeah, the wrong tears and rejoicing in it. But you know, you won't cry in heaven. It's going to be timeless, tearless, matchless, and endless. So here's my four thoughts of redemption. The first one was the meaning of redemption. And then there was the man of redemption. And then there was the master of redemption. And last of all, there was the music of redemption. Well, thank you very much. You've been a very, very good audience. And uh, you've given a good reception to the people. So I have to say, now I hand back to us. congregation at Victoria Gospel Hall singing a wonderful, wonderful, uplifting hymn. And I trust that you were singing along to that as well. Perhaps it might have awakened in you memories of uh, perhaps when you were at church and some of the good times. And indeed, it tells about the wonderful nature of God, that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. That is a message, the central message of the gospel, which we have been broadcasting and we continue to broadcast. The theme for today is reconciliation to God. And our core scripture is the second corinthians chapter 5 verses 19 to 20 and this is uh, from a letter that the apostle paul wrote to the corinthian church it's one of the two letters that uh, paul wrote the scripture goes like this that god was reconciling the world to himself in christ not counting people's sins against them and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And that plea was made to those who do not yet believe. Those who think they can go their own way. Those who think that they don't need God. But God loves each one of us so intimately and he doesn't want any of us to go to a, a lost eternity a time which is forever that is without god because that is not worth living through but a time with god that is what christ wants for each one of us now is the time when we're going to come together in prayer to pray about this scripture and then we're going to give you the opportunity to accept Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks, Lord, for the way that you've helped to shape this program. Thank you, Lord God, for all those who have been involved, those who have given their testimonies. Thank you, Lord God, for this scripture. 
about reconciliation, the subject of reconciliation to yourself, Lord. A living, loving God who does not want anyone to perish but wants all to have everlasting life. Life made possible through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that as each person has listened to this program today, whether through the broadcast directly on Monday or Friday, or indeed, Lord, through the podcasts, that you, Lord, will go ahead by your Spirit and help each person to understand fully what they have heard and the importance of reconciliation to you, how you yourself have brought that about. Amen. Now is the time when, if you have been listening to any part of the programme and you'd like to accept Christ Jesus as Lord and Saviour, now is your opportunity. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, Lord, for all the things that I've done, thought, or said which have been wrong, which have taken me away from you, separated me from you. Lord, I'm sorry for all of these things. I ask you for your forgiveness. With your help, I turn away from everything that I have done wrong. Please now come into my life by your Spirit to be my Lord and Saviour forever. And help me to be the person you want me to be. Amen. If you've said that, welcome to God's kingdom. We hope that you will start picking up the Bible and reading that for yourselves. If you've said that prayer, Christ has opened the way for you to come to him in prayer. You can come to God in prayer about anything, praying about all things, and God will hear you. He delights to hear you. Because of Christ, you have, by your prayer, been reconciled to God. Please do also get in contact with us and our email address is info at g4g.org.uk In just a few moments we'll be finishing with your gospel in Hungarian and uh, God willing we'll be back again next week at the same time. But for the moment, bye-bye for now. János 3.16 Mert úgy szerette Isten e világot, hogy az ő egyszülött fiát adta, hogy valaki hiszen ő benne, Elne vesszen, hanem örök élete legyen.